Um, so I brought a stool because I'm just going to perch for a little bit. And my notes are on my phone, so I'm not like texting people. I'm just letting you know that that's how I follow along. Um, as Jasmine said, I, uh, Eric and I, Eric's our lead pastor. I'm Jenny. If you don't know me, I'm a 20 hours a week ministry associate. Um, and I've done this role for a number of years with a pause in the middle because of that little cutie in the front row sitting on that larger cutie who's my husband. So Dave, don't record that. Just record the rest of the message. Um, and so as Eric and I were talking about August, we thought let's take a, a moment from just being part of a multi-site church and just pause and look at what is it, what, what does Ottawa need, want, what do we feel is important for right now? And so we've heard from Keith Dow, we've heard from Eric, and then today me just kind of what's ruminating in our hearts um, as a community that's Ottawa, not a whole 20 or 18 site organization. So Jasmine, you mentioned in your announcements sort of the idea of uh, who am I? And if any of you have seen Zoolander, I've been thinking a lot about the who am I moment where he goes through a, an identity crisis if you haven't seen the film. And I don't know that I'd recommend it, but it's pretty funny or it definitely was like 15 years ago. Um, I stood in our service uh, a few months ago and just thought, very honestly, why am I here? Um, I've been a Christian most of my life. I grew up in a church community, a Christian family, and so in that sense, I feel like I was given the gift of an early choice, but also it was very normal. Um, and every once in a while, I would step back and say, why am I here? Why am I in church community? Why am I following Jesus? Um, and... The answer for me actually came very quickly. Uh, I'm here because Jesus is here and because I want to love like he has loved me that I've experienced and love like he loves all of us. And um, why am I doing that at this particular community was a bit of a bigger question because as many of you are well aware, we've been in a pandemic. We've also had um, substantiated allegations of abuse from some key people in our leadership in Oakville, I just want to highlight, not me, um, not, in, not, not in Ottawa, yeah, get off the mic, you shouldn't be there, um, and that's been really hard, and then a third thing that I've been talking with a lot of you about is that we've sort of had this trifecta of grief with pandemic-forced uh, changes in our own lives in a variety of ways and in our church community and gathering, and the uh, removal of some previously key leadership, which has changed the feel of our meeting house community. And then also in Ottawa, we've had this very unique um, pre-pandemic. We met in a theater on a Sunday morning downtown, and we found this new space, uh, largely led by wanting to be more accessible, but a number of other reasons. Um, and now we meet in the afternoons in a different neighborhood that's not downtown, and that's less bus accessible, and that's a different style of service because we don't have the time crunch of Star Wars opening day at noon on a Sunday or that kind of you know, we've all, anyone that's been at a meeting house for a long time has felt that, especially around Christmas. Um, so we've kind of got these three different really key church community identity changes. And so we're sitting in this season of who am I? And so I just wanted to name out loud that if you've been feeling like this is called the Meeting House Ottawa, but it doesn't really feel like the Meeting House Ottawa over the past almost year, we've kind of been finding our footing in a new space, I just want to say that's fine. That makes a lot of sense. If you felt like everything was just the same as pre-pandemic, that would be unusual. And I would, if you feel that way, that's delightful. But um, 
yeah, I'd be curious to ask you some more questions. That's very interesting. But I just want to say, I just feel like I've been giving a lot of people permission to name that this is not the church that we were before the pandemic, and that almost all of that was not our choice. We just have been affected. And so who, who are we? Who am I? Why am I here? Well, I'll answer some of these questions in the following few minutes. Um, as I spoke over the past couple of weeks, I have spoken to Chris Hutton, Mark Wall, and Eric Fish-Lewis. You are probably familiar with at least one of those names because Eric is our current lead pastor. Mark Wall was our lead pastor before Eric, and then before that, Chris Hutton was our first lead pastor. Um, Chris for about five years, Mark for about five years, and then Eric for a pandemic's length so far, <laughs> plus six months. Um, so he's getting, I guess, three, three years, three and a half, something like that. Um, and it has been so uplifting to talk to these people that were sharing their memories, their observations of our community. And I, I certainly understand that when you're looking back, especially to pre-pandemic times, there's a little bit of a rose-colored glasses. But I just felt like I wish that I had recorded those calls and could just play them for you because the amount of love and care and joy in our community in those conversations, just I just felt like I, I was so encouraged. I just felt so happy, um, which is somebody who struggles with mental health is not always the case, but it just felt like a representative of, yes, this community has such goodness. Jesus is here. Jesus has been here. Jesus continues to be here despite sort of being in a season where many things seem like they're in the way of seeing that. So a quick rundown of what the past 14 years has been like. We are a site that opened in 2008. We are, and always have been, who knows if we always will be, the furthest site from Oakville, from the GTA. So that's kind of been an identity marker for us that hasn't changed. Um, we started out of um, Matt Kerr, who, it's been a member of our community from the beginning. He started to get it going. Um, he was telling me a little bit. He also spent some time on the board of overseers many years ago. So um, I spoke with him as well. And he was sharing about how he had family in Oakville, Burlington area that were connected to the meeting house. And as he and his wife were in Ottawa, they were thinking, I wonder if there's a way to get connected. So they contacted the meeting house. He said, actually, there's a guy that we mail DVDs to. So this tells you something about how long ago it was. Um, who just watches them with his family on a Sunday morning. And so Matt got in touch with this person, and they started gathering together in a home on a Sunday morning, watching the teaching. Eventually, this grew to be about 30, 35 people. They met at a high school. They took turns with coffee. Matt said they had a crate of Ikea mugs. If you've ever been to Ikea, I think you can picture that exactly. I think I have some at home. Um, and they took turns leading musical worship, listening to the teaching and talking. They kept hearing about this thing called home church, because that's a large part of how we get to know each other in our community. Um, so Matt said one Sunday he's just thought, I'm just going to invite everybody to my house for home church, and we'll just see. We'll see what happens. He forgot to tell his wife, and he invited the whole church. Um, they're very happily married. It's been 14 years since that incident. Um, anyway, they, so they just thought, let's just start trying to do this thing where we get together intentionally and spend time talking about what we're learning so that it doesn't just stop with a nice idea on a Sunday that gets lost in the shuffle of the week. And that is a very core part of our church DNA. Um, I'll come back to that in a moment, but that was one of the things Eric talked about when he started uh, leading our church, one of the things he noticed. I'll just tell you, no more suspense. Um, Eric was talking about when he joined our community, he hadn't previously attended the meeting house, so he was coming from a Pentecostal background. And one of the things he thought 
was really beautiful um, was that our home churches met for a year at a time, like a September to June. And he said his experience with most communities was that it would be a four to six week commitment and then maybe you dive into another thing. And it wasn't usually Sunday teaching centric, it was maybe topic centric or uh, book study or, and those are all wonderful things and things we're looking at um, in our own community. But he thought it was so um, interesting and beautiful that a community was willing to stick together with the same group of people for a year and sometimes many years as you paused for summer and came back to the same group and welcomed new people and blessed people as they moved away and those kinds of things, um, the level of community that was built by that regularity was unusual, um, not totally unique, but just noteworthy. And so that was fun to hear because I've been doing this for 14 years and sometimes forget what is different. What, what do I take for granted being in a community that dives into regular overlapping in a way that lets you build those relationships. Okay, so 2008, we got to the first year. Um, Chris, uh, when he started this site, came from Oakville. He'd been there for less than a year and noticed that home church was actually a bit of a challenge in that area. It was a little bit, um, people were just used to showing up on Sunday, heading home, and that was enough. So he decided, this is a fresh opportunity. Nobody here has a preconceived notion about how much you should or shouldn't be involved. So he took this blank slate opportunity to just highlight the heck out of home church being a beautiful thing. And so our community has had that as a strength since the beginning. It's had highs and lows and seasons of easier, more challenging, but having home church be actively um, empowered and elevated and fed into was very core to what Chris felt was important for our community. Um, and I remember uh, there was a season where there were leaders days for elders across all of the different sites in Oakville once a year. And I remember going with a bunch of the leaders from Ottawa and um, home church multiplication was a particular phrase. The meeting house has been very careful about particular phrases. They've kind of got this like in-house lingo, which we're breaking out of little by little. We tried not to do Christianese, but then we did a different thing, I guess, meeting house ease. Anyway, we're getting back to just normal speak, whatever that is. Um, and so there was a, when a home church grows, it's, it meets in a home. So it's the amount of people that can comfortably fit in the home setting. But if it, if it grows too big, it's sometimes helpful to multiply. They didn't want to use the word divide, so it didn't feel negative, but, um, multiply into two groups. And then the, the idea being, we want to always have space. We always, always want to have space for somebody new to join. And so I remember being in one of these cross-regional leader days with about three to 400 elders. And just to kind of build some stories, um, the person at the front was asking, who has been a part of a home church multiplication? So, you know, people stand up. They've been a part of a home church that they've helped lead through turning into two home churches. And then they said, who's been a part of two? And some people sat down. Who's been a part of three? Some people sat down. Long story short, we had an Ottawa elder, um, Aaron's husband. And I think the number got up to like seven. It was, it was like... It was a lot, and it was just so beautiful to see, like, yes, this community, despite home churches being spaces where you learn and grow together, are also willing to make space and to separate and to connect in other ways so that there's always space for somebody new. And I just remember feeling so proud. <laughs> so you can tell Jeff that. He's not here at the moment. But um, let me look back at my notes. Chris. Chris's vision for, yeah, not my visa wallet. I don't want that phone. Um, 
Chris also really wanted to instill compassion from the get-go. He saw a city, which was a different setting than many of the suburban sites, and homelessness struck him and the KidMax coordinator, Serena, at the time as something really core to focus on. And so he talked a lot about building into that and doing a lot of storytelling and walking through areas of Ottawa and praying. And some of you will remember serving chili, just rogue, on the bridge across from the Chateau Laurier, looking to try to get a permit but not getting any feedback and going for it anyway. Um, and just kind of a spirit of let's give things a whirl. We're part of this larger organization, but we're here in Ottawa looking for the needs that are Ottawa-specific because they are different from Oakville, from Hamilton, uh, from some of the sites at the time. Then uh, our community grew. We started meeting in a theater. I should highlight that. Um, we grew to shy of 200, but more than 100. And Chris uh, felt like there was a season where we needed to um, aim to be financially self-sustaining. We had been supported by other sites as part of a new site. And so Chris and the, his communications with um, Oakville were around, we want the site to continue, but it needs to be self-sustaining. And so that was a goal. And as a church, there's always been tension about counting attendance and finance goals versus measuring discipleship and growth and Jesus-ness. And that's very challenging, but Chris told me a story of um, being at a meeting with the leadership team at the time that this topic came up and saying, okay, we've kind of got this next year to really dig into this and to build into this community, to invite people, to recognize that honestly, this is where we are. We might not continue if we don't find a way to sustain um, and do our part within the broader meeting house community. And he had a leaders meeting with elders and coordinators that involved a foot washing ceremony. I don't know about you, I am super ticklish. This has not been a comfort zone for me in the church. I'm also, it just, it's supposed to be vulnerable, but it's one of those things that has not been comfortable for me. And I'm, I just banged my foot, so it's not the day to try it. Um, but um, it's something that we have done as leadership and we've kind of wafted in and out of seasons of it, but Chris felt like this was important and a way of, showing our willingness to serve each other. And so he thought, okay, I've got a, um, a playlist set up, three minutes of music, he's got all the supplies, and he's shared this news with his leadership about kind of crunch time on being a self-sustaining site or not, and they're praying together, and then they participate in foot washing together. And so he starts his music, and one of our leaders, both of these women are still a part of our community, which is beautiful, went to another woman and just said some words to her. I don't know what they are. And then the, the other woman felt moved and teared up a little bit and was receiving a foot washing. And Chris just said he felt something shift. He felt, he said it was one of the most tangible Holy Spirit moments for him. Um, and he just felt like he wasn't, he wasn't planning this, but the foot washing just kept going and going. And he's like scrambling on his phone to get some more music. And he said, half an hour later, everybody's squeaky clean. And he just felt like there was a shift where there was just a presence of God saying, I'm here, I'm here with you. And so we're still here. So you might've guessed the end of the story is the financial and attendance goals were met. And then Chris felt like, okay, I'm ready to move on. I think this community needs a shift in leadership. So he and his family moved back to Southern Ontario to be close to extended family. And uh, Mark Wall became our next lead pastor who also, after his time, moved back to Southern Ontario to be part of his family. So when Eric got hired, we were like, do you have family in Southern Ontario? Because 
This isn't looking good for us. We've got a five-year situation. Um, anyway, long story short, Erica's family here. Yay. Um, so Mark felt like there was some very, he was, Mark was an enthusiastic person, over the top, um, really joyful and really excited too. He'd been a part of the community before, and so he sort of felt like he had some sense of where he felt we could grow next. And one of those things for, for Mark was home church. Um, and Mark, uh, another story about Chris, actually, this is an important one, and then back to Mark. Um, home churches at the very beginning of the Meeting House Ottawa's time were all family friendly. And what that meant was that there was a plan in place that if and when children showed up to be part of this evening of, you know, community conversation and discipleship and prayer, that they would be welcome, first of all, and that they would have care specific for them. And so that's looked differently at different times. Um, obviously, with them being children and minors, you have to have two cleared adults and some important legalities there. But Chris felt it was very important that from the beginning, we should aim above the highest of highs to get family friendliness um, in every home church. And so we did have that for a long time. And at one point, of the Meeting House's 21 family-friendly home churches, Ottawa had 10 because Chris just made that a norm for us from the beginning. And what he described to me was that his thought wasn't that he just wanted to like, you know, hit a goal or be able to say something like we're all family-friendly, but he wanted to instill in this community from the beginning the practice of always making space for somebody not like you. If I'm at home church and there's a child attending, they're different from me, their experience and their needs are different. And so by practicing making that space for children all the time, he felt like we were building the muscle of being ready to welcome any other type of other and be used to creatively imagining how to do that um, in a space. And that, um, I was a young adult when I started attending. I guess I'm just a regular one now. Um, I didn't, I had no idea about that at the time, but it seems really beautiful to look back and start to see examples of how I've watched other people welcome and just see that, that vision and that care, not perfectly, but steadily move throughout our history. So Mark um, looked at our home churches and thought that that's, that's a beautiful thought, but it's actually not working in some of the spaces. And so there was another layer of carrying that love for welcoming the other, but also saying, if you actually can't do that, and we've just put this label on you and you're struggling to figure that out, and then somebody shows up with children and feels like, oh, they weren't, they weren't prepared, they're scrambling. It's, maybe that's not as welcoming as we meant. And so we've got to take a bit of a hard look at where are we doing that well? And where are we not doing that well, but feeling like we should? And so there started to be a little bit more diversity in our home churches. And we said, if you can do family-friendly well, please do. If you can aim for it at all, please let us figure out how to support and equip you for that. And if you can't, let's humbly be honest that it's not helpful to say we're ready to spiritually serve your children as well as the adults when we're not. So we started having a little bit more... Um, home church creativity, I would say. And so that has looked like sometimes home churches meeting on Sundays after church with children and ordering pizza. That's looked like we had a big friendly group for a while that was a Friday night um, meeting at a, a church, another church building that beautifully lent us the space for free. And so a whole bunch of families would do a big potluck every Friday and then spend some time with um, being able to talk about the teaching while children ran 
not rogue, but they did some really fun stuff in the church gym, um, some weekly stuff, I should say, because that's, you got to meet people where they're at. Um, and recently, we have been, part of why we're talking about the children joining us for communion is, I remember joining staff in 2017, I, that's when I first was part-time, um, and about a year in thinking, hey, when I was growing up as a kid in a church, I saw communion regularly. I saw baptism. I saw adults speak about their faith. And I also participated in children's programs. But the way we were set up in the theater, the children uh, went right to their classrooms, which was streamlined and effective. And they had beautiful programming um, that continues to grow. And they don't, but then they don't get to see musical worship. They don't get to see any of our you know, adults praying together. They don't get to see when we do communion together because they're totally in their own children-specific space. And so we have very slowly but steadily thought about how do we be more holistic with that? And being in a building like this that's much more flexible, um, that's something that's key. Darcy champions this really beautifully as a mom but also as a spiritual leader um, and as our KidMax coordinator formally in this community. I guess that's the most relevant title. Um, and so that's something, if you have children, if you're thinking about that, that's high on our radar to make sure we're not accidentally segregating based on age and stage. Um, and at the same time, holding home church loosely and saying, if you can serve children and families well, let's highlight that. And if you can't, let's also be careful with what we are saying we can do well. Um, another thing on the topic of children, we started 14 years ago. A lot of young adults, some married, some soon to be married, and many not parents. And now, as you may guess, we have a lot of kids that are 14 and under with a smattering of above that age range. Um, and so youth has been a growing demographic in our community. And I wanted to just highlight to you, and partially to get the word out there, that for the fall, or for as soon as possible, really, um, we are at our site looking to hire a youth person 10 hours a week to focus on youth and young adult ministry. Uh, we have a 10 hours a week KidMax coordinator, that's Darcy. Um, I guess technically I focus 20 hours a week on adults, um, but I just wanna highlight that because you never know who you know and if you know somebody gifted at young adults and youth ministry, that's a demographic that we want to, to use a cliche phrase, put our money where our mouth is and really actively serve. Um, I've been, in my notes, I was kind of thinking I would talk about our chronology, and then I only got so far, and then I wanted to talk about children, home church, and local flavor. I have merged those top two, children and home church, quite a bit, um, but I'll cut back to our chronology, We, uh, and then I'll talk a little bit about local flavor and our future. We moved to Lansdowne. We were at Silver City in Orleans, so that's kind of like out near Blair Station. If you're familiar with Gloucester, thank you, yes. Um, and then Mark Wall had a vision of us being more central in the city to be more accessible. So we, in a process of community discernment and surveys and conversations and all of those different things, eventually um, landed at the Silver City right at Lansdowne. So there was a farmer's market in front of us, a lot of foot traffic. Our signs were up. We were interacting with moviegoers as they came at the tail end of our service. And there was all kinds of... Um, logistics to that, but it was a pretty uh, beautiful time of growth. And so we kind of started to reach another layer of being a site that was 
most Sundays hitting above the 200 mark, which was exciting, but came with a very interesting twist of, as Matt identified as well, Matt Kerr, um, when you're a very small church, you kind of feel the sense of, okay, there's only so many people here, so I better dive in and, and do something here because this thing needs to, if it's going to work, we need people to help with it. But when you're a big site, averaging 200 plus, and you're kind of got a 400-person base, there's more opportunity to just show up and head home, which is kind of a beautiful gift to offer people. Um, but I feel like now, as we look around, we are certainly not 200 plus on a Sunday here. We've been averaging, I looked at the numbers, 67 throughout the year, and in the summer, about 40, including kids. We used to have about 40 to 60 kids each Sunday. So we have really shifted um, another change about the Meeting House Ottawa, and that's not unique. Churches across the globe are experiencing this, but um, it sort of feels like we're kind of in a mental space of we're a big church with lots of people, but living in a space of, I've had a few people say to me, it feels like a church plant. It feels like, you know, small, and we know each other, but also we're kind of getting to know each other. Um, some of our friends and church family aren't here. Some are connected. I've, it's amazing. A lot of people have said to me they really read the emails more than I imagined. So we have this kind of body of people who are here on Sunday, people that are watching and aware and not quite ready to attend, but curious, and then people that um, have gone in other directions for wonderful and legitimate reasons. Um, and so that's another big change. We, we before the pandemic, were what felt like a very large, vibrant, broad community. And now we are what I feel like is a small, still vibrant, finding our new voice community. And so if you feel a little bit of that disconnect, that makes sense. I just want to highlight that for you. Um, 345. I'm going to talk about lo local flavor. And then I really wanted to receive communion together. There's a lot of planes. It's kind of fun. That one's very low. If only it had a... A sign. Is anyone getting engaged today? That might be your that might be your plane. Um, local flavor. So if you have been a part of the meeting house for a long time, uh, there there's conversation around franchise. There like there are a lot of different sites. There's an organization to make sure that they run well and smoothly, and emphasis on trying to, as a broad community, learn the same things. This is part of why Home Church has centered around Sunday morning or Sunday day teaching so that we can kind of grow together and be on the same page. We've had cross-regional compassion initiatives. Um, many of you have experienced that and participated in that. But being a site that is geographically very far away gave us this really fun wiggle room to kind of like do our own thing, maybe announced maybe not maybe we just went for it and so we had we have had a history of three pastors that each in their own way were very comfortable to discern locally and that has been a gift that has been a huge gift for us so Chris talked about um, like this chili event and some other things just hearing local ideas coming up from Ottawa home churches and saying sure go for it sometimes checking in with Oakville and sometimes not hearing back fast enough and saying, go for it anyway, and we'll see. We'll just see. Um, anyone that knows Mark Wall knows that his personality leans towards go for it, ask forgiveness later, in good discernment and joyful fun. But we just, I felt like we have had, um, we have had the freedom to try to figure out what matters 
specifically here more than perhaps other sites because we're far away. And now we sort of have more freedom than we ever imagined because there, we are at this space that doesn't have time constraints in the same way. We have um, decentralized the Sunday teaching for a handful of reasons, but as you all know, um, there's a lot of hurt around the key teacher, Bruxy, turning out to be somebody that has abused others. And so that's hard to, um, it's hard to focus a community around a teaching that, that has been a place of pain. We have people that are, I've had so many different kinds of conversations, some people that um, mourn that, uh, that, that long for that type of teaching again. And from somewhere, people that struggle to trust anything that was ever said, there's so much there. But what I feel is exciting about Ottawa, um, I've had a lot of people say to me, I think the next step is to just go back to simplicity, one of our core Anabaptist values, and look at the Bible, look at scripture, talk about that together in groups, make space for what the Holy Spirit is sharing individually and then perhaps thematically among us. And some of you know I'm taking a three-year course right now in spiritual formation and spiritual direction. And I just feel like, yes, and there's so many ways we can do that. I'm learning on the side and our tradition has some, but I feel so, um, I feel like I'm saying excited a lot, but it's honest. I feel so excited for what this community can be. And the home church that I've experienced over COVID online has felt more meaningful than I ever expected it to on Zoom because it's people choosing to say, when Jesus is at the center, when we are willing for the Holy Spirit to speak through us, there's always going to be something there, whether or not there's a particularly gifted teacher or not, or whether or not we have the same conversation as the home church meeting tomorrow night or our own conversation. I feel like the pressure is off for fitting the mold at the meeting house, and there's a, a gift of um, discerning what Jesus would like for us to be for each other and to each other, but for our community. Um, in the same vein, we, we sort of feel a little bit uh, unrooted in our new community. We're in a, a neighborhood that we haven't met in before this past year, and so we're kind of figuring out how do we, how do we be here? How do we be a presence here? And, or do we do that? Or do we focus on where our home churches meet and different communities like that? And so one of the things I wanted to... I wanted to land on is that feedback is so important and valuable. And my experience um, as an elder since, uh, whatever, 13 years ago or so, and as a friend, as a staff member, is that basically everybody has ideas, but not everybody shares them because we're Canadian and we're polite and we, you know, it's not when it's COVID, you don't get to chit chat on a Sunday as regularly. And so there's not that necessarily easy space to say, actually, I've wondered about this, or have we missed something here? Or we tend to say the positive things more, and that's beautiful. But I think I want to encourage us to, over the next season, be willing to say, hey, we've kind of, I feel like we've missed the mark on this. Has anybody thought about that? This is how I think children's care has come up. Various parents have said, hey, my kids don't see baptism. My kids don't see communion. Can we bridge that gap somehow? Um, and so I just want to encourage you, if you've got, especially in this season of finding our roots for the next next bit, if you have ideas or thoughts about things that have gotten lost in the shuffle of so many large 
distractors and things to process, please bring them forward. Eric and I are always happy to hear. Um, yeah, I just, I love, I just love hearing what people are really thinking and feeling and I'll promise to try my best not to explain why we blah, 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 because that's the worst response when somebody <laughs> gives you feedback. You say, well, actually, it's because I think this, um, this next season, I have a lot of hope that we can be a space where people can say, this would matter a lot, or I really feel this. And if enough people are kind of all sensing that, then there's a beautiful community hermeneutic there. Um, the last... I think the last thing I'll focus on, I had so many bullet points. I have like pages upon pages of single space. So that's a lot. Typing and I just was feeling, I was feeling a little bit like a bottleneck. Like I have all these different stories and memories and beautiful things. I mean, bar volunteer barbecues at the mini putt place, services outside. A there was a Renew um, musical worship space at a, at a barn. I wasn't even at this one, but I saw footage of it and baptisms in the snow baptisms in hot tubs, baptisms in hot tubs that didn't work so we're cold. Like we've just got so many baptisms in the movie theater where we borrowed a trough from, interestingly, Eric's church that he was working at before joining the meeting house. Um, yeah, guess who's coming for dinner, spaghetti dinners, so many different, as I started to hear these stories and remember, this community has a rich, rich history. Um, I thought, what, like, what about what's next? And so I just wanted to um, let you know, because I feel like, oh, I know these things because I talk to Eric at least once a week because I work with him. But this current space that we're in, Riverside United Church, we found partially because uh, Sunday morning locations like schools were not renting to outside groups at the time then this rental was found. And so churches were one of the places that was still willing to rent. And so um, we landed here and we have uh, are in the middle of signing another one-year contract um, there wasn't an obvious next step to force a change, but there wasn't also an obvious, we should definitely sign a five to 10 year contract. So we were sort of in this space of, we've got a year to, to really dive into what this space can offer and who we can be here. Um, but I want you to know on the feedback note, we, we don't know what's after that. And so um, we will be talking about this with our elders and coordinators, but um, we want to discern together as a community. And if it is to continue here, we want that to be something we decide together. If there's another space in the city that would suit our particular vision, um, we want to consider that. And so it won't be for probably six months, but we want to make sure it's not you know, too late to actually make that decision when you get to the next renewal. But I just want you to know as we dive into being here, as we dive into afternoons, dive into having a physical space we can do other events at, um, that it's top of our mind that we are willing to see what else, just to see what Jesus has for us. Um, the last, I've said the last thing three times, so this is third time the term. I wanted to share communion together because it's our last summer Sunday, and I had a, a, a really sweet moment during COVID where church had been online for maybe a year and a half at this point, I hadn't really been in person with anyone except my husband and daughter, uh, belting it out in the living room. And so communion was just with my husband and daughter. But a friend and I visited another friend's church um, that had started meeting in person before we had. And it happened to be a Sunday where they were receiving communion together. And I was surprised by how, how beautiful it felt to be with the body of Christ, even though it wasn't my home 
regular church and to just be able to understand that what we were doing meant that we were loved, that we received grace, and that we could live our lives out of that and continue to pass it along to others. So um, Eric and I wanted to conclude our summer series and kind of our first wonky post-pandemic ministry year because the next time we meet will be September and kind of the fresh start of new things by sharing in communion together. And so as I was looking at the variety of passages that share the story of Jesus and the last Passover supper with his disciples, um, the one in Matthew stood out to me because it talks about right before Jesus taking the bread and giving thanks and saying, this is my body, right before that are verses about um, Jesus talking about somebody betraying him and Jesus talking about that person being here and then Judas saying, surely you don't mean me, Rabbi, which bold move. I don't know if I would have said that knowing that it was me, but he, Jesus answered, you have said so. This is all in Matthew 26. And then the very next verse, it says, while they were eating, they, all of them, Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And it struck me that this included Judas. This included somebody who had been trying their best. Welcome, Kid Max. Come on in. Earl is here to welcome you. There's a little cute doggy up here. Um, and I just thought uh, there's a tension with communion of come as you are. And also, if you are aware of something that needs to be righted in your life, to do your best to do that. But I just read this passage and thought, how inclusive. Jesus saying, drink from it, all of you. Um, and just inviting all of his disciples to participate in that moment, immediately after highlighting that one of them was very clearly imperfect. So I would like to invite you. Often we'll play a little bit of music, but I thought today we'll listen to the sounds of the breeze and just being together. Um, and I will uncover over there the communion. There's a hand sanitizer for practical reasons and then gluten-free, everything allergy-free bread um, that you can take a piece, dip into a very purple grape juice. So that might be flavorful. Um, and there are tongs as well if you'd prefer to use that. But I just want to invite you to take a few minutes um, quietly to pray for our community, to pray for our future, to thank God for where he has led us, where he has been with us consistently, but also to help guide us as we figure out where we are moving forward and how to love each other and care for each other and love our city in the interim. So I will pray and then we'll do that and then I will share some announcements about water dodgeball. Thank you so much for listening to as much as I could get out of some of the history of Ottawa, but if you'd like to hear more about it, I'm more than happy to talk about that anytime ask me questions, send me an email. If anybody listens to this recording, feel free to reach out as well. So Lord, thank you for the gift of community. Thank you for, um, I so often think about how each of us is a little reflection of part of you and what a gift it is to be able to see more of who you are by seeing little pieces and different pieces reflected in each other, Lord. I thank you for our um, gifts and skills as a community. And I also thank you for our gaps and how that that reminds us that there are other people that you want to be here. And we don't always know who they are. And Lord, that might mean 
inviting a familiar face that we haven't seen because of the pandemic or a variety of reasons, or that might mean reaching out to somebody that um, we just sense has an interest in you, Lord. Our, our goal and our hope is to not be insular, um, but to be others-centered and to welcome in and to reach out. And so, Lord, I pray that you would bless our discernment as a community that wants to follow you um, with a little bit of clarity over the next season. We pray for our broader church family and the gift of support that God has started in the first place and that has carried us through with so many beautiful resources and leadership trainings and KidMax curriculum and youth programming. And there have been so many gifts being a part of this community, Lord. And uh, we are in a season of being grateful and hurt and frustrated and excited. And there's, there's just no... As being human, it's just so jumbled, Lord. So I pray your blessing on our whole church body, on the being Christ community, Lord, and just your people on this earth. Let us be in unity as much as we can, um, remembering that that doesn't mean we have to be the same, but that we need to love and learn from each other. And Lord, I thank you for communion. I thank you for the tangible reminder. You, you remind us in the New Testament that at the end of it all, we need to love you and love each other, but I thank you for a little bit of specific liturgy to help us remember that in the practical day-to-day. And so we take this um, bread, we take this grape juice, and we say thank you for what it represents, and thank you for your um, ever-flowing ever grace and love and the fact that you have made yourself accessible to us. All these things in your beautiful name. Amen. <laughs>